Welcome to History Sleuth, a podcast exploring the involvement of history and culture in current events. My name is Adelaide, and today we're jumping into Black History Month with our first episode going over the basics of why we have a month dedicated to Black history and what it's all about. But before we get into that, if you're on Twitter, follow me at Sleuth History to get updates about when I post new episodes, and also make sure you follow History Sleuth on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. So for Black History Month, I'm going to do twice as many episodes posting on both Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you get connected so you don't miss anything. Now let's do an overview about what exactly we're getting up to this month. This episode is going to be geared more towards people that are unfamiliar with Black history, new to the discipline, or just have very little knowledge and understanding of why this is a specific category of history and why it's important. I'm also going to go through some questions that I've heard from people. Some stated a little bluntly or or more aggressively, but hopefully if you've had these questions yourself or you've heard these questions from your friends or classmates or associates, you will now have answers or a way to start this conversation. So first, what is Black History Month? Um, We're going to look at what Wikipedia says, not because it's the best source or the greatest way to get a deep understanding of a subject, but because it's a good jumping off point to give us the basic ideas and show us what paths we could follow to investigate further. Wikipedia says, Black History Month is an annual observance originating in the United States, where it is also known as African American History Month. It has received official recognition from governments in the United States and Canada, and more recently has been observed in Ireland, the Netherlands, and the United Kingdom. It began as a way of remembering important people and events in the history of the African diaspora. The precursor to Black History Month was created in 1926 in the United States, when historian Carter G. Woodson and the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History announced the second week of February to be Negro History Week. This week was chosen because it coincided with the birthday of Abraham Lincoln on February 12th and of Frederick Douglass on February 14th, both dates which Black communities had celebrated together since the late 19th century. Negro History Week was the center of the equation. The thought process behind the week was never recorded, but scholars acknowledged two reasons for its birth. Woodson felt deeply at least one week would allow for the general movement to become something annually celebrated. Also, after the 10-year-long haul to successfully complete his Journal of Negro History, he realized the subject deserved to resonate with a greater audience. So I'm going to pause right here and and say we'll come back to Carter G. Woodson. I read and studied some of his work in my Harlem Renaissance class that I took last semester um, and wrote a paper about just kind of the lack of of education of Black history in the the general American public school system, I guess. (laughs) So um, I think it's really interesting that he's popping up again here in in starting Black History Month or or originating the idea of, of Black History Month at the very beginning. And also just to note, like, the year that Black History Month was created, or the precursor was created, is 1926. We had Black History Week starting in 1926. And so the Black History Month is, is less than 100 years old. Um, but when we get more into Black history, we'll see that we're going to cover, as far as um, American Black history goes, we're going to cover like 400 years worth of history. And so that just kind of, I think, helps put some things in perspective when we get into some of the tougher questions later. But Back to Wikipedia. It says, uh, Black History Month was first proposed by Black educators and the Black United Students at Kent State University in February 1969. The first celebration of Black History Month took place at Kent State one year later, from January 2nd to February 28th, 1970. So there's a big jump there from 1926 to 1969 and even like 1970. Um, I think we can see that in terms of American history. The idea of Black History Month is very, very recent, um, though it's still, you know, originated before before my um, existence <laughs> and even before my, my parents were born. But um, still in terms of history, Black History Month is very recent. 
Back to Wikipedia. Six years later, Black History Month was being celebrated all across the country in educational institutions, centers of black culture and community centers, both great and small, when President Gerald Ford recognized Black History Month during the celebration of the United States Bicentennial. He urged Americans to, quote, seize the opportunity to honor the too often neglected accomplishments of black Americans in every area of endeavor throughout our history. When first established, Black History Month resulted in some controversy. Those who believed that Black History Month was limited to educational institutions questioned whether it was appropriate to confine the celebration of Black History to one month, as opposed to the integration of Black History into the mainstream education the rest of the year. Another concern was that contrary to the original inspiration for Black History Month, which was a desire to redress the manner in which American schools failed to represent Black historical figures as anything other than slaves or colonial subjects, Black History Month could reduce the complex historical figures to overly simplified objects of hero worship. Other critics refer to the celebration as a form of racism. Actor and director Morgan Freeman and actress Stacey Dash have criticized the concept of declaring only one month as Black History Month. Freeman noted, I don't want a Black History Month. Black history is American history. Since its inception, Black History Month has expanded beyond its initial acceptance in educational establishments. In 2018, Instagram created its first ever Black History Month program. Instagram's Black History Month program featured a series of first-time initiatives, including a hashtag Black Girl Magic partnership with Spotify and the launch of the hashtag Celebrate Black Creatives program, which reached more than 19 million followers. By 2020, Black History Month had become a focus beyond schools. Wall Street Journal describes it as, quote, a time when the culture and contributions of African Americans take the center stage, end quote, in a variety of cultural institutions, including theaters, libraries, and museums. So that gave us a general overview about where Black History Month came from and some of the conflicts within it. Those conflicts being, is having a month dedicated to Black history helpful because that history has been excluded from general American education, or does it encourage a well-rounded understanding of, of Black history to continue to be excluded from general American education. And I think that's a really difficult conflict and, and a controversy that we're going to have to continue to wrestle with. I don't really have the answers for this. I know that some of the things I want to cover this month, I didn't learn until I got to college and took specific classes that covered Black history and literature. So in some ways, the general education of American history and literature does still fail to provide students with this information. But then again, I did have the opportunity to take those specialized classes outside the month of February. So I want to take both of those things into consideration, and I'm not really sure what conclusion to come to here. I think there are good arguments on both sides for and against Black History Month. Um, but maybe by the end of the month, I'll figure it out. So what are we doing, Adelaide? I'm sure you're you're wondering. What are we going to cover this month? Tell me all your plans. And I will. <laughs> so what I've got planned so far are episodes on major events and important people in Black history. Um, we're going to cover the transatlantic slave trade and American slavery, um, the Harlem Renaissance, Colin Kaepernick, and the present-day Black Lives Matter movement. There might be some other things that come up that I'll add in. I was looking at some movies and other things maybe to cover, but basically I'm going to pick out some moments of Black history in America based on what I've been educated on while in college and what I'm most curious in researching further. There are a lot of other people and topics and time periods that I could focus on, and plenty of other people have. I'll be mentioning other podcasts that are dedicated to Black history if you want more information from people smarter than me or on topics that I didn't get to, but yeah, that's what I'll be doing. So next question is, why is Black History Month important? And I found an article from Reader's Digest by Amari D. Pollard that answers this question uh, very clearly. Pollard says, celebrated during the shortest month of the year, Black History Month is a way for the United States to honor the achievements of Black people and their contributions to American society and culture. 
While strides have been made to rectify the wrongs of slavery and Jim Crow, equality is still elusive for Black people in today's America. So while February should be a time to salute Black excellence, it should also be a time to recognize the discrimination Black people continue to face and the work that needs to be done in order to achieve true equality. And so then throughout this article, Pollard goes through a few different major points looking at just where inequality still exists for Black communities. And I just took the highlights, um, but his research is, is well done and he goes into a lot more detail. So um, the link to this article will be in the description of this podcast if you want to read more on this um, yourself. So one of his, his first point is, despite the growing U.S. economy, the racial wealth gap persists and is mostly fueled by the racial income gap. Pollard also says Black people face a poverty rate of 21.2%, more than twice the rate of white people, with 9 million black people living in poverty in 2017. Neither the poverty rate nor the number of black people living in poverty was different from the year prior. It's almost been six years since the Flint, Michigan water crisis began in 2014, when the city's water source was switched to the Flint River, and the people of Flint are still suffering. The fact that this crisis happened in a mostly black city, with about 40% living below the poverty line, is a result of neglect and environmental racism. A 2019 study from the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences found that about 1 in 1,000 black men and boys can expect to be killed as a result of police violence. The risk is about 2.5 times higher than their white peers. Black people also make up 37.5% of the prison population, again despite only making up about 13% of the nation's population. Black women are three to four times more likely than white women to die before, during, or after childbirth. According to hate crime numbers released by the FBI in 2018, more than 4,000 race or ethnicity-based hate crimes occurred nationally in 2017. Out of those reported cases, black people were the victims in 49% of race-based hate crimes. The recent surge in America's hate crimes can be tra traced back to 2015, the same year Donald Trump announced he would be running for president. In fact, a 2019 Pew Research study found that 65% of Americans say it has become more common for people to express racist or racially insensitive views since Trump was elected president. So there were a few other points that Pollard had in this article after this, um, and again, more details on all of those things, but I just wanted to kind of hit the highlights um, to show that there are present-day ramifications um, of our history um, that we're still dealing with. So, And Pollard also has a, a section at the end of this article about what we can do to fight against racism and fix these specific issues. So I definitely suggest you check out that article if you want to know more. And also in my description, I added another article about celebrating Black History Month in the UK, which was interesting, but I have more information that I wanted to go over. And there are so many things concerning American Black history already, so I'm not going to read that one, but it is there for you if you are interested. Okay, next question. And this one is phrased a little bit more bluntly, but you know, it's one that I've heard before. So the question is, why is there a Black History Month and no White History Month? So to help me answer this, I found an article by Richard Sloat from Harper's Bazaar, which is actually a women's fashion magazine, which is interesting. But Sloat says, the short answer, which might seem dismissive to some, is that every month is White History Month. It's hard to deny that the history of white people is well served. There's no shortage of white historical figures who permeate the public consciousness. Kings, queens, poets, explorers, and a litany of others. Lauded in classrooms, memorialized in public statues, their stories are told and retold in documentaries and dramatized on film. So complete is the domination of white historical narratives that we don't really notice when we're hearing about them exclusively. Conversely, black history is wildly underrepresented, not just in classrooms, but in culture as a whole. It can, for some, feel strange to learn about people who are different from you. The underrepresentation of the African diaspora and popular consciousness is also something of a vicious cycle, one which sees their stories left out of history books, both literally and figuratively. 
People don't write books about people they haven't heard of, and it's those same history books which are used to teach the next generation. As the dominant culture in terms of sheer numbers and political power, white people prioritize their own stories. We don't always do so consciously, but we identify much more easily with figures who remind us of ourselves. We extol their virtues and absolve their sins. The idea that we might need a White History Month relies on wrong-headed ideas about equality. Much like the mantra, all lives matter, it works off the basis that society is fair and just. Perhaps a greater understanding is needed about the necessity of equity over equality. The latter aims to ensure that everyone gets the same things in order to enjoy full, healthy lives, while the former focuses on trying to understand and give people what they need to enjoy full, healthy lives. Equality only works if everyone starts at the same place, which in the cases of both gender and race is quite simply not true. It is why the idea of White History Month is completely unnecessary, and a Black History Month is. The Black community needs their contributions to society to be recognized and celebrated, because they haven't been before. So I realize we've gone over a lot of hard-hitting things in a, in a short amount of time. I can speak quickly when I get passionate, so you're probably still trying to, to process all of these different things. <laughs> I think the tension that we're working with here when we're talking about Black history and... Um, what our society looks like now is that we've got to have a, a full understanding both of the reality, the present that we're living in, and also the past that led up to this. History doesn't happen in like a vacuum. It's not just like fun stories that we tell or um, just like fun facts <laughs> that we memorize so that we can be, I don't know, get into college and be smarter than other people or whatever. I don't know. But, but history informs our, our present. Um, and informs our, our future. So I'll talk more about this later, but there, there's also a tension in like what we're responsible for and what we're not responsible for. There are, are things that happened in the past that people who are now dead did, and we're not responsible for our actions, but we're responsible for what we do with the good things and the bad things that they left us. Our historical figures that we often celebrate were not perfect people. I think I think we understand that. Sometimes it can be hard when we when we celebrate different historical figures, but we, we do have to recognize that they're not perfect people, um, and they made mistakes, just like we make mistakes, and some of those mistakes still need to be fixed decades or centuries later, or more than that, honestly. So that's where, where our responsibility comes in, is what we do with what these historical figures have left us, not what the historical figures have done. So let's move on. Oh, something, one last thing that I wanted to add about the the idea of a white history month. So something that I would add to this explanation that Sloat gave us was that even asking the question, why don't we have a white history month further demonstrates the need for a black history month, because we um, fellow white people here have a hard time recognizing that we are the dominant culture and the history of people that look like us is the dominant history. Um, because we haven't been exposed to black history, we don't realize how it's different from the history that we've learned. Hopefully that makes sense. So how do we fix this? How do we become more aware? I would say by studying Black history, <laughs> making an effort to expose ourselves to experiences and stories that aren't our own. And the first step of that is is recognizing that we've mostly been told stories about white people and that our, our education of history is lacking. So the next tough question that I, I wanted to address that sometimes comes up when we focus on celebrating Black excellence is why should we celebrate people just for being Black? Or even this adds, um, this question can be expanded to just being part of, why should we celebrate someone just for being part of a, a specific group or being a woman or being minority or whatever? Shouldn't we celebrate people based on their achievements? This is an interesting question. Um, and I think there are lots of parts 
to it to address. I agree that it is good to celebrate people for the things that they achieve and bring uh, attention to people who have earned it. And to use an example, I've heard this question mostly lately in conversations about Vice President Kamala Harris. There are some of my fellow Americans who don't want to make a big deal about her being the first woman VP before she actually does something with that office. And and while I understand where the heart of the question is coming from, and I do think it's important not to blindly celebrate anyone, but be clear-sighted and critical when necessary, I think we have to separate here achievements of the individual from achievements for our country. Vice President Harris has been in office for a very short time, so there's not really anything that she's done in office yet to highlight. So what we're celebrating here is not her work. The U.S. has had, for a while, systems in place, both legal and social, that prevented people like Kamala Harris being in the position that she is. When we celebrate having a woman and a person of color in office, we're celebrating that that is now even possible, when for years and years that was not possible. So what we're celebrating isn't necessarily Kamala Harris herself, but the fact that She's done something that was not possible in our country before. We're celebrating that as a country, we are at a place where a woman can be voted in as vice president. So, um, so when you see other special categories or honors directed specifically at an identity a person may have, it's not to hold that identity above other identities or to say that one group is better than another, but to recognize the historical barriers that used to exist for this group to achieve these things and the work that has been done to remove those barriers, as well as bring attention to the work that still needs to be done. So it's more about who we are as a a community, who we are as a country, than who that person is individually. So the next question (laughs) that I wrote down that I wanted to address in this initial podcast episode for Black History Month is is much more aggressive, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) So, um, but it's still one that I've heard before. might sound familiar to you if you've watched any of my episode I've watched if you've listened to any of my episodes about the Prager U videos, but here it is. By focusing on black history, are you just trying to make white people feel guilty? Are you trying to make people hate America and hate themselves? And this is this last bit's more of an accusation than a question. I didn't realize that I wrote it in my notes, but you're trying to make people feel guilty about something that isn't that isn't their fault. So I, I decided to word this question this way in my notes because I've heard this multiple times from from different places. And and I feel like even when people maybe don't feel the boldness to state it as aggressively, this might be something that's lingering beneath the surface and something to address. And I kind of started to address it earlier when I was talking about the difference of where our our responsibility is, but I think it would be good to address it again. So the goal of having a Black History Month and the goal of me focusing on it and doing twice as many episodes as I normally do to celebrate Black History Month is not to make people feel guilty or hate America or hate themselves or hate their ancestors. I do want to acknowledge that there is an emotional response from white people, especially pretty often when it comes to seeking to tell the narrative of our history in a different way than we're used to. Um, We're used to being described as the main characters and to become a side character, even for a month, can be difficult. And to be honest, this emotional response and, and how to kind of like navigate it is not something that I really understand or know how to work through or work against. (laughs) We probably need a psychologist for this, I guess, or a sociologist or a historian with a PhD instead of me with my little podcast and bachelor's degree. So, I mean, I don't want to say that having an emotional response to history is wrong. I don't think the right one is to be angry or guilty. That's not my goal. I'm not trying to anger people or um, make people feel guilty, but they're, they're, should be a kind of emotional response if we're really taking in this information and understanding it. So what kind of emotional response should we have? How responsible or separate should we feel from the people and events that we study? I think people that don't 
normally spend time contemplating history don't know how to answer these questions. And I, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert, but I do have some idea kind of building off from what we were talking about earlier. So we study history to understand what events and processes led up to and built the world that we live in today. We don't live in the past. We can't control or change what happened. So when we talk about the historical tragedies that our country has, maybe talking about the system of slavery or the genocide of Native Americans or Jim Crow, or the oppression of women, we don't have to feel guilty or responsible for what happened then because we weren't there and we can't change what happened by pretending that it didn't. We are, however, responsible for understanding the past and taking action in the present. There are historical tragedies in progress in 2021. So how can we step into that hurt and help? How can we advocate for others and better understand the injustice that they're facing? How can we take our understanding of historical tragedies to change the world around us, provide people with resources, opportunities, and equality that they've been denied? And it's okay, actually good, I would say, to have an emotional response when studying history. I get angry and sad when I research some of these things, and I think there are places where that is appropriate. But history doesn't define who you are because you aren't in the past, but in the present and the future. You still have choices left to make and things left to do. You can choose to make it different than it was in the past. You can choose differently than your ancestors. We can't let this emotional response prevent us from digging into these stories because there's a lot of work to be done here and a lot of stories to be told. So I look forward to sleuthing them out with you this month. <laughs> so that's all I have for you today. The featured Black History pod of this episode is One Mic Black History. Definitely check them out to learn more about Black History on a regular basis <laughs> outside just the month of February and experience a, a higher quality podcast than my own. I'll put a link to this podcast in my description as well as all the other sources I used for this episode. And all right, I will catch you guys on Thursday when we'll go over a few more basics of Black history while focusing on some significant people and events in America. Thank you for sleuthing with me today. Bye.